everyone. This is Liz Easton, and I wanted to take a quick second to invite you to listen in to the PC Book Club. <laughs> Wait, I need to start again. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Liz Easton, and I wanted to take a quick second to invite you to listen to the PC Book Club, a.k.a. PCBC. Every so often, Ricardo Avila and I chat about the books that you should be reading right now. It's just like sitting on your own private book club discussion, only there's probably slightly more references to true crime and Charles Dickens. <laughs> I did not write this. <laughs> um, we may have to re-record that anyway, because I think you just said it's just like sitting on your own <laughs> private book club. She did. That was great. Sitting on a book club. Sitting on a private book club. That's pretty racy. Sorry. Should I try again? It's just like sitting in on your own private book club discussion, only there's probably slightly more references to true crime and Charles Dickens. So if you're looking for the class with an occasional dose of the sass, then check out the PC Book Club right here on the Popping Collars feed. Class and sass. Love it. <laughs> I was praying. I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a popping collar side project where we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. So, well, Greg, you and I did. What? I don't think I don't think we did. <laughs> well, I don't think it landed on us as two white no. people. No. Plymouth Rock never landed on us. No, it did not. It did not. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock with movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago. This month, we're looking at the Spike Lee epic, Malcolm X. What's your name? Malcolm Little. No, that's the name of the slave masters who own your family. You don't even know who you are. Who are you? Say, Roseland. Roseland. He was a pusher, a hustler, a thief. You ready to tackle the streets? Yeah, I'm ready. Let him come. <laughs> he was loved, respected, convicted. State your number, little. I forgot. In a dream that's divine. He was a prisoner. Who set himself free? A Muslim must be strikingly upright. I will not touch the white man's drugs, his liquor, his women. So that those in the darkness can see the power of the light. I will not lie, cheat, or steal. I believe you will remain faithful. Yes. He was a follower who became a leader. You're not an American. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. He brought honor to disobedience. I suggest you look outside that window. You've been laying down and bowing down for 400 years. I think it's time to stand up. All right, break it up. You got what you wanted. No, I'm not satisfied. That's too much power for one man to have. And a voice to a people who longed to be heard. Defend! 
wife. No, you're saying I'm anti-wife. I'm sorry, Betty. I haven't been the best husband. Do you advocate violence? No, sir. Academy Award winner Denzel Washington's most electrifying performance. Director Spike Lee's most powerful film. Malcolm, can we all live together? I sincerely hope so. Betsy, I have a brief description, I think, of the movie Malcolm X. I'll let you decide when I read it. Would you like to hear it? Yes, I would. It says, a tribute to the controversial Black activist and leader of the struggle for Black liberation. He hit rock bottom during his imprisonment in the 50s. He became a Black Muslim and then a leader of the Nation of Islam. His assassination in 1965 left a legacy of self-determination and racial pride. It's kind of just a thumbnail sketch of Malcolm X. His life, yeah. It doesn't really kind (laughs) of mention the spikeliness of it all. Right, yeah. So so what's your history with the movie Malcolm X? I saw this in the theater. Did you really? I don't specifically remember seeing it, but yeah, I did. Wow. I was talking with... Because, you know, I have to talk with my sister about these things. So I was talking with Emily, and she remembers that she and my mom went to go see it in a movie theater in Birmingham, and they were the only white people in the theater. Oh, okay. And my mom at the end, because it's super emotional at the end, and it's this another Black leader struck down. And so my mom just leaned over to my sister, and she said, let's leave as quietly as possible. Kind of this reverent, let's be reverent of the moment of this movie mm-hmm. and what it means to people. So, um, so yeah, I, I think I saw it in the movie theater because it was such a cultural phenomenon at the time. Yeah. And this kind of, yeah, reclaiming of this person who had, you know, in our, in our very binary, you know, Martin Luther King is good, Malcolm X is bad or whatever, you know, like that's how the narrative wanted He's angry. Martin Luther King is peaceful. You know, like mm-hmm. those oversimplifications of the narrative. And this was trying to recapture, you know, the nuance of a human life. Yes. Comic book nerds would know that debate as uh, Professor Xavier represents the nonviolent, peaceful mutants and humans can get along approach mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. X-Men. Whereas the villain Magneto represents the more militant, we can't get along, we have to separate from each other, aggressive mm. mentality of Malcolm X. That's how binary it was back in the 60s. Yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. What I did you? not. Yeah, I did not see this in the theaters. But then again, like I was pretty young in 92. So mm-hmm. like I said, I was going to go see A League of Their Own. Like that was about as exciting as my life got. Well, I think you, know, my sister and you are around the same age, right? So I think it's the idea oh, that okay. my mom went with her to well, see the movie. Yeah, right? I was so not accompanied. to Your mom was not going to be like, let's go see Malcolm X. No, that was not happening. Uh, so what you were saying about it being a cultural phenomenon, though, is a thousand percent correct, mm-hmm. which is that my experience of the movie Malcolm X at the time in 1992 was as fashion, which was the Malcolm X caps that were huge, at least in my area of the country in mm-hmm. North Carolina. 
uh, when this movie came out. And they were sort of a, they were an identifier and a statement and kind of all of that stuff. As a matter of fact, when Phil Jackson won his 10th NBA championship with the Lakers, he had mm. a hat with the Roman numeral X mm. for 10 on his hat. And everybody was like, that's the Malcolm X. Hat. <laughs> you know, that is, don't think you can appropriate that. I don't think that works as well. No, I think, I think too, Emily brought up, they've been watching the history of hip hop on yeah. PBS. And when you talk about, you know, and Chuck D was a part of the production of that documentary. Mm-hmm. And you know, it may it reminded me, you know, because I mean, the movie starts with the beating of Rodney King, right? I mean, this right. was centered in the early '90s, talking about a historical figure, the connectivity, and then to be watching it 30 years later, mm-hmm. and you could have George, footage of George Floyd's murder. It was an. This was probably one of my most impactful rewatches. I think I've experienced in this project. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, two things. One, Spike Lee is a master of the montage, man. Like, he is oh. really good at it. And the reason is because he presents you two different things, and he lets you figure out what he's trying to say. Yeah. So he'll give you the image, and he'll give you the audio, and he's not mm-hmm. spelling it out for you. It's like, do with this what you will. Like, this is what mm-hmm. I'm giving you. And he's just really good at picking the right images to go with the right audio to not like reinforce the image but to get you thinking uh, along two different roads at the same time so that like you're thinking of the image road and you're thinking of the audio road at the same time as a matter of fact um his montage in the five bloods which came out after sort of 2020 Mm -hmm. uh the black black lives matter movement uh in full swing and the death of george floyd that was a really powerful montage that he ended up putting in that movie. Mm-hmm. And if you remember on his socials, when George Floyd's uh, murder happened, he posted the clip of Radio Rahim's murder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spike understands like how the image and the message go together. Like he's really mm-hmm. good at that. So what are your general thoughts? First takes on this rewatch of Malcolm X. Right? Oof. Just... There's so many Easter eggs that if you that you got to go do some read up, which I did afterwards. I mean, just even down to small things, you're like, oh, look, it's Al Sharpton, you know, uh, up in the preaching. But the other preachers, Bobby Seals from Mm -hmm. the Black Panthers. So it's like the layers and layers and and thinking about all of the actors who would want to be involved in a project like this and all of the historical figures and just people in general. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this was a movie that. Like Denzel Washington put up his salary to make this movie happen. At the end, there's a whole list of celebrities, Janet Jackson, you know, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, unfortunately, Bill Cosby, but the, all these other people who, who wanted to pay to make this movie happen. Cause you're looking at spikes, his movies leading up to this moment. You know, they all didn't earn together the, the, the budget it would take to make this film. Mm-hmm. So there's some, you know, there's moments that you can't skimp on in this movie. Yeah. And and the the group effort, the community effort to to make this film, I thought was really impressive. Um yeah. Denzel Washington, I mean, he is 
he is on the screen more than any other nominated actor. Like the length of this film, the amount of time he is working, the diligence to this, to this, to creating and bringing all the nuance of Malcolm X is beyond impressive. Oh, Denzel Washington is a freaking movie star. Like he is just so good. And it's just like, but it's care, it's concern, it's, it's details, you know, it's, it's Ozzie Davis reading at the end of this, and he is reading his eulogy that he read at Malcolm X's funeral. Yeah. Like it just makes me. I'm so glad this movie was made at the time that it was made, uh-huh. before the people who were involved mm-hmm. and knew him before they died. Right. Yeah, a thousand percent. And like, if you think about, so you had you already alluded to the end, and you know the idea. Spoilers for a thirty-year-old movie that Nelson Mandela yeah, right. is the end of this movie, right? Nelson Mandela had just been released from prison. Like yeah. this is ninety-two, right? So Mandela was released in what eighty-nine, ninety, something yeah. like that. And they would have filmed it in ninety-one, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the the historicity of this, the fact that all of these things sort of came together, the fact that Spike knows these people, like Spike has a relationship with mm-hmm. Black Hollywood at this time and is able to get all of these people together. And, and you know, the reason that I say Denzel Washington, freaking movie star, is that the Malcolm Little at the beginning of this movie is very mm. different from the Malcolm X at the end of this movie. And to be able to play both of those, to be able to play the Russian roulette scene in the same breath that you do the we were we are black speech you know mm-hmm. it's just it's two different modes of acting and he does both effortlessly it's and it's his it's his face it's his eyes it's his mouth i mean it's like because like he's really he's only two years younger than delroy lindo mm-hmm. but the youth that he injected into young malcolm little that 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 vivacity that live wireness that unpredictability it was just a, a tremendous feat of acting because i wouldn't have known to use the word trauma when i watched this film the first time the trauma the inherited trauma of his black experience mm-hmm. and and the parallels with his own family and and how that trauma can lead you to the life that he led before his conversion mm-hmm. and can lead you to the life you lead in your conversion. That it, it does both. It informs all. And it depends on how you frame it and how, you know, as, as they might say in the movie, how imprisoned you are by that. Um, you know, cause we, the, you're, you're talking about something that's talking about systemic racism and talking about these elements that now have gotten all these other labels on them mm-hmm. that I found really refreshing yeah in that way it was it was it was i liked revisiting that so i do have a hot take about this movie Ooh, what is it i think this is a legit hot take so you Uh-oh. know the the false sort of bad faith racist argument that exists online where people use the phrase like you can't make this you couldn't make this movie today and they make it in reference to something like mm. blazing saddles well that tries to like they think reinforce right. their racist attitude when it's a satire of their racist attitude mm-hmm. and like all of this stuff that 
like don't under they fundamentally do not understand art and so therefore um have no idea what it is that they're saying when they're online actually this is legitimately one of those movies that you could say you couldn't make this movie today and the reason that you could say it is because there are politicians like the governor of my state that actively work against art like this and books like this and movies like this um because mm-hmm. they see it as their sacred right to protect white feelings above mm-hmm. black lives and this movie centralizes black lives over white feelings dang that makes me so sad honestly the the issue isn't the message of this movie the message of this movie is important and it needs to be heard the issue is that we've lost the ability to communicate with each other because mm-hmm. of our internet language which is I mean, it's it's just it's dumbed us down <laughs> in the court of public opinion. And actually, it's movies like this that are actually um, challenging and thoughtful and just the mm-hmm. care that it takes <clears throat> to go into rhetoric and understand language and words and to say what it is that you mean. Spike Lee spends like 30 minutes of this movie having Malcolm read a dictionary so that he can explain exactly that he's saying exactly what he wants to say the entire time. Mm-hmm. This is great. It's just great. Yeah. And I, meanwhile, yeah. we, um, we pass off, you know, nonsense as if it's wisdom um, in our right. day and age. So. Yeah. When, when um, John Smith, Reverend John Smith, Jack Smith died, and he was the first like full-time residential chaplain here at Episcopal high school. He came the year of, of desegregation, I want to say. So like 68. So when the emails go out about people dying, they are written by my wonderful colleagues over in um, alumni relations and, and, uh, and they, but they all look like they come from me and they all come from my email. And so I get all the return emails, which is sacred work that I really appreciate and love. Mm-hmm. But when Jack died, it was so many emails from so many alums and one student saying, you know, I remember, I remember taking his class. It was so powerful. I remember reading the autobiography of Malcolm X and it like blew my mind. And like, it was just like such an impactful moment for me. I'm like, here, really? Like the fact that we were, you know, and that it would have been around the time that it was published. Amazing to me. Like that, that just, it rocked an opinion that I thought. I had about maybe what the institution I worked at looked at looked like at the time. So I think I said last um, at the end of our last episode that, you know, I kind of every time I watched this movie, I kind of dropped into this movie at different periods along the way. And mm-hmm. as a result, I never really watched like the whole thing all at one time. And one thing that I totally forgot was you and you've already put your finger on it was the opening. Brothers and sisters. I'm here to tell you that I charge the white man. I charge the white man with being the greatest murderer on earth. I charge the white man with being the greatest kidnapper on earth. There is no place in this world that that man can go and say he created peace and harmony. Everywhere he's gone, he's created havoc. Everywhere he's gone, he's created destruction. So I charge him. I charge him with being the greatest kidnapper on this earth. I charge him with being the greatest murderer on this earth. I charge him with being the greatest robber and enslaver on this earth. I charge the white man with being the greatest swine eater on this earth. The greatest drunkard on this earth. He can't deny the charges. 
You can't deny the charges. We're the living proof of those charges. You and I are the proof. Like that whole opening montage is captivating. I mean, I started this movie. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it got me thinking, Betsy, mm-hmm. I got a top five. I got the top five opening scenes from movies right here in front of me. What? Yeah. Because I will say about this opening scene, they don't just show a little bit of the Rodney King beating. No, 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 no. They no. show a lot. It is narration I think is... over the image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. With the okay, so, flag. okay. And you know, the way yeah. that the American flag starts out is very, this is not on my list, very reminiscent of Patton, right? And you kind oh. of, when it, when the American flag flashes up on screen, you're kind of thinking to yourself, oh, I wonder if Malcolm X is going to come out like George C. Scott in Patton, like is Denzel mm-hmm. Washington going to come out, start delivering the speech about blackness and what it means to be black and liberated in america and no it goes to the rodney king footage instead which is like a fascinating sort of twist on that patent open so yeah Mm -hmm. okay is there an honorable mention there is an honorable mention because it's not a movie opening these always okay the honorable mentions have become the ones where you're breaking the rules that's that's (laughs) what i've now discovered after several episodes of this podcast, this That's is where you're fudging. Okay. That's the whole so point what is, of the honorable okay. mention. Okay, what have we got? It is one of my, well, at one point in my life, uh, favorite TV shows, and one of your, at one point in your life, favorite TV shows. It's the opening to Lost, when Jack wakes up on the beach, and you're yeah. just like, what the heck is happening? Lost. That's pretty good. We yeah. did enjoy Lost. Was that still on when we were in seminary? It was. It was winding oh up. My. I think oh, the last wow. season was while we were in seminary. We were old. Okay. Wow. All right. Great. Okay. All right. Number five. Number five is one that we've already watched. Uh, for as long as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. It's the opening to Goodfellas. Mm, yeah. Great opening yeah, scene. Yeah. It is also good narration. Yeah. Great narration by Ray Liotta. Who has, uh, have we mentioned that his career has been wrapped up with the Cocaine Bear movie from this? I know. Rest I don't know whether that's okay or not. I know. From Goodfellas Ugh. to Cocaine Bear, always entertaining. Loved Ray Yes. Yeah. Energy for days. Yeah. I will recommend him in Blackbird. Very good. <laughs> that's, that's probably better than Cocaine Bear. Probably, but you know, <laughs> yeah. All right, number number. Are we in four? Yeah, we're four? at number four. Okay. And it's that Spielberg opening to Jaws. Man, oh, holy cow. You talk about on the edge of your seat. Okay. All right, number three. Number three. No dialogue in this opening scene at all. It's the opening to the Lion King. Mm. Yeah. When the bass drops, boom. And there comes the title. Great. Yeah. Great. It's good. All right, number two. Number two, I went with David Fincher on this one because he kind of earned it because he did it like 94 times. It's the opening scene to The Social Network where Mm. Mark Zuckerberg gets broken up with. Yes. And then number one. 
Number one, uh, this is a sentimental favorite of mine. And I think everyone understands when I say it's the opening scene and montage of the movie Up, which mm. is like its own movie within the movie it is. of Up. Yeah. But then again, what I'm saying <laughs> is that this opening, this yes. Spike Lee. This, I mean, this is, it's, yeah. In fact, I, I kind of give it away. That's my best scene of the movie for me. And do you think the use of the flag is saying that this is this is an American story? Oh, that I mean, is that what it, yeah. yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Malcolm X's story is, is grounded in Omaha and Harlem and Boston. Like it's yeah. grounded in all of America. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's the scene in my favorite scene. Or powerful scene. I mean, there were so many. It was really hard mm-hmm. to choose. I'm just going to say here. We're in prison. Mm-hmm. And Red has been, you know, listening to Albert Hall's character, Baines, who's not a real person. He's an right. amalgamation of, of a character, mm-hmm. um, which I, <laughs> sorry, also found interesting that uh, Louis Farrakhan, one of the trivia things on this, who knows when this is true, allegedly threatened Malcolm X so that they removed all references to him from this film. So he's not in here. Um, But it's when they're talking about prayer because it's, it's not very often in a movie that's so centered on Islam that -hmm. you don't see the full prayer position, Mm -hmm. you know, or then that sort of way. And that Denzel Washington, you know, the red Malcolm Little cannot kneel. Right. And he just can't do it. And he just can't do it. Have you ever bent your knees, Malcolm? Yes, when I was, uh, when I was picking a lock to rob someone's house. Tell Allah that. You can grovel and crawl for sin, but not to save your soul. Pick the lock, Malcolm. Pick it. I want to. God knows I want to. I received a letter that day from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. The dear holy apostle wrote to me, a nobody, a a, a junkie, a pimp, and a convict. I have come to give you something which can never be taken away from you. I bring to you a sense of your own worth. The worth of one human being. The knowledge of self. It was like a blinding light, and I became aware that he was in the room with me. He wore a dark suit, and on his face I saw a wisdom and pain so old and deep that I could scarcely look at him. But I knew I wasn't dreaming. He was right there with me. I tell you, the most dangerous creation in the world, in any society, is the man with nothing to lose. And that the com- the conflict in him and his body and then being in this, you know, part of the prison where they're able to have like some moment of quiet and that Baines is patient in that moment. And it's just not the time for it. I thought that that was a really powerful scene. Oh, man. There's so much like real meaty, very good spiritual work in this movie. That, like, mm-hmm. you just do not see in mainstream Hollywood movies. 
like the, just wrestling with the the nature of the soul and prayer and belief and God and all of that stuff is just it's at the heart of this movie. It's really amazing. I you know the fact that they were allowed to film in Mecca mm-hmm. is really huge. Yeah, I do have a just an honorable mention as far as um, a favorite scene, which is the mm-hmm. the fight scene between Denzel Washington and Angela Bassett. 67-year-old leader of the Black Muslim movement today faced paternity suits from two former secretaries. Right, these are slanders, Betty. These are lies. Don't you realize that? Don't you realize whose newspaper this is? This is the devil's newspaper. He's trying to divide us. Don't you see that? Divide and conquer. He's trying to bring, bring down our leader. Both women in their 20s charged the they had intimacies with Mr. Muhammad's You think I'm not aware of these accusations, Betty? Huh? You think I'm not aware of these vicious lies? Brother Baines and I were talking about this very thing today. Baines, is he your friend? What is the matter with you? Nothing. Now tell me, what's the matter with you? Wake up. Are you so committed that you blinded yourself? You so dedicated you can't face the truth? <laughs> Baines, he's the editor of the newspaper that you established. Ask him what? Ask him why your name hasn't even appeared in Muhammad Speaks in over a year. I'm Ask him why you read front page on every paper in the country, not one single sentence in doing. your own. Yes, but do you know what Baines is doing? What is this Baines? Oh, you so Baines, 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 Baines. see this when you are... Baines is the one who saved my life. When I was in prison, crawling around like an animal, he's the one that brought me to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad brought me back from the... A long time ago, you Don't you raise your voice in my house! When she's confronted him about, you know, the newspaper article with Elijah Muhammad. And the only reason I say that is because Angela Bassett has... So, you know, we're Mm -hmm. right before What's Love Got to Do With It, but we just saw Boys in the Hood uh Mm -hmm. last year and her ability to just go toe-to-toe with like larry fishburne and denzel washington and like she brings out like really like good stuff from them and i think they bring out really good stuff from her and she's just she's she's just an amazing scene partner i think so Mm -hmm. i will say that scene stands out as like oh my god and that scene you in a room and just have them cook you know yeah betty chavez worked with spike lee on the movie and she did say that I think she was talked into the scene. She said they never fought. Right. That they never, yeah, this was for dramatic effect and that she never questioned him. And it's such a sad part in the whole thing. This movement that's so thoughtful and, you know, this is the thing we talk about in church circles too, that, you know, religion is, religion and faith are one thing. The mm-hmm. human constructs around them are another. Yeah. Yeah, religion and, and faith are one thing, and ego and charisma are another. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Money is another. Yeah. yeah. Money is another, that's for sure. Uh, what is your best performance from the movie? I mean, what am I going to say? Right, yeah. There's one answer to this question. <laughs> there so. is one answer to this question, even though there is a just, can we talk about who's in this movie? I mean, like, even down to our, you know, nefarious assassins, 
right? Mm-hmm. You've got everybody that you can get your hands on. And Carlo Esposito, yeah. Wendell Pierce is there. You know, get your mm-hmm. hand out of my pocket. It's an amazing group of actors. I just want to give voice to Delroy Lindo just real quick because mm. I so so Delroy Lindo probably for me like he was always the get shorty guy or you know that sort of mid 90s you know resurgence that Delroy Lindo had because mm-hmm. everybody loved him in his Spike Lee movies and so everybody used him in their like indie darling whatever movies you know Mm -hmm. and i just like i always like he's just always it always sounds like when he delivers dialogue that he's an actual human being that thought up these words and said them like everything just feels really considered and he has this way of carrying himself on screen where he's where your focus goes to it's like even mm-hmm. if he's sitting next to Denzel Washington, you've got your eye on Delroy Lindo trying to figure out what's going on there. You've got Denzel Washington's mom is in the movie. You've got mm-hmm. his son in the movie. You've got Samuel L. Jackson's wife, mm-hmm. Latanya Richardson in the movie. Working actor John Seneca, who is in Crossroads with <laughs> Ralph Macchio, right? Mm-hmm. Like who is just like was in Silverado. Like, I mean, these long working black actors, Mm -hmm. you know, getting stuff done. And it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. One other thing, and this is probably going to be my legit pick. um, I mean, because we both agree, Denzel Washington, uh, Ruth Carter, the costumes in this movie, Mm. right? Like that's the thing about the Boston and Harlem sets. Uh, mm-hmm. that immediately catch your eye is the color, the movement, like how everything falls. Like Ruth Carter is incredible. Should have won an Oscar for this. Eventually won an Oscar for Black Panther. Well-deserved for that. Mm-hmm. But holy cow. I mean, but the enormously talented. Seen, yeah. Yeah. But they're walking across the talent. street and, and just. Yeah. Straight up, Good. just super talented. And I'm glad that she and Spike have like this relationship where he can just call her in and like, you know, just get her to do amazing stuff for him every time. Uh, Betsy, I got some stats about the movie. Ooh, stats, 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 stats. Let's do it. Malcolm X opened on November 18th, 1992. Okay. November, November 18th. So that's, 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 a, that's a holiday movie drop. That yeah, is... it's in the Oscar. It's in the Oscar uh, time frame, but it's, about, Oscar it's at the early end. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. Except so you're now... really counting on people being out of school. People yeah. being out. I think people were encouraged to skip school to go to the opening of yep. the movie. Yeah. This day in 90210. <laughs> this gimmick feels weird. <laughs> this episode, I'm just going to say. I There's feel a lot like of pop culture going on in the early 90s. I can just see I am Ziri wearing an iPad in a way that's like, don't do that. Don't do that. I am Ziri okay. wouldn't have. David Silver would have. David Silver definitely would have. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so uh, we where, arrived, where are we? We have arrived at season three, episode 14. Here I go with my Frenchness. Here we go. Entitled Chevaux Sauvage. Chevaux Sauvage. What's it it's mean? It's definitely Chevaux. Chevaux? C-A-T- what does it mean? V-E-A-U-X. Chevaux? Isn't that a horse? 
like Savage Horse? I don't know. Chevaux Sauvage. Anyway. Why haven't you Googled this? What does it mean? Because <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer. I don't Google answers. I just oh, make God. up answers. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Here's what was happening on Chevaux Sauvage. Brandon threatens his friendship with Nikki when he tries to rescue her from an abusive former relationship. And Dylan romances a wealthy older woman. Boys are getting up to some business in their relationships. Sounds not great. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, Malcolm X had a <laughs> Malcolm X had a domestic gross of forty eight million dollars, making it the number thirty two grossing movie of nineteen ninety two. It is the number one thousand eight hundred and seventy first top grossing movie of all time between. Mm-hmm. Already. Malcolm X comes between the house bunny was that Chris Pratt's ex-wife. What was her name? We do not name people based <laughs> on who they were with. I know, but I can't think of her name. That's not very nice. It's Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So the house bunny with Anna Ferris. And then mm-hmm. the other movie on the other side of this is G.I. Jane with Demi Moore. Oh, my God. So you get the House Bunny, Malcolm X, and G.I. Jane. Well, I think I'm marrying Malcolm X. Wow. I'm going to flirt with the House Bunny. And oh. I kill G.I. Jane. Oh. oh, no! Yeah, yeah. House Bunny's pretty funny. Keep Will Smith's wife's name out your mouth when it comes to G.I. Jane. Um I would flirt with Malcolm X. I'd marry G.I. Jane. I'm a big Ridley Scott guy. And this this was Got a it. fun movie. For, I, I thought to me more kind of crushed it. And well, then I was got Anna Ferris, Colin Hanks, Emma Stone, mm-hmm. Pat Dennings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beverly D'Angelo in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, weirdly, Rumor Willis. That is weird. That is weird. Oh, with the that's G.I. weird. Jane of it all yeah. being mixed up in here. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Malcolm X had an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Could be higher. I think it should be higher. Could be higher. I think it should be higher. What do you think our man Raj thought of this movie? He's got to love it. Yeah. Listen, if there's one thing Raj likes, it's a Spike Lee joint. Yes. Raj is in the bag. He uh, says this. This is an extraordinary life, and Spike Lee has told it in an extraordinary film four out of four stars there we go i believe it i like it when i like it when raj like punches it in like that you know it's mm-hmm. like let me tell you something this is a great movie you're gonna have a great time check out the check out what these great people did get away from the flowery language raj just punch it in yeah no that's the what way to go. uh rita kempley from the washington post says this is a spiritually enriching testament to the human capacity for change and surely Spike Lee's most universally appealing film. Mm. I mean, I do think that's true. If we think about his previous films, now I have to get off the house bunny IMDb. Thanks a lot. I think Do the Right <laughs> Thing is still his most universally appealing to me. I think, you know, it just, it comes up. But I think if we're talking about reaching outside age demographics, all that sort of stuff, then we Mm -hmm. are talking about a movie that becomes just, it's just broader. Yeah. 
had this movie do at the Oscars. It famously had no wins at the Oscars. Mm. It was not even nominated for Best Picture, something that Betsy and I had to rectify 30 years later. Thanks, Oscars, for being a bunch of idiots in 1992. However, it did receive two nominations. Betsy, what were the nominations for Malcolm X? Denzel Washington. Denzel, yes. Thousand percent. I don't think there was any way that they could get around not nominating Denzel. I also do think, and I don't think it was nominated, but I did think Terrence Blanchard's score was really good. It was good. Yeah. There were moments like when when they started walking towards the police station, I think, or the hospital, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like almost the beginning of a of a second line, like a Mardi Gras, like something. Like mm-hmm. the tube is there and it's low. And just like I that music moment like hit something inside me. And I remember it was just it was a sound memory of some kind. Well, I feel like you've dropped an Easter egg for me. Okay. Because you talked about the costumes. Yep. Costumes were nominated yep. for this period costumes piece were film. Nominated. Yep. Yep. So I that was the other nomination was Ruth Carter for best costume design. Yep. Yeah. So two nominations, no wins, only two nominations. No nomination for Spike for director, no nomination for screenplay, no nomination for best picture. Thank God it's a new day. But then again, no nominations for The Woman King this year. So, you know, it is what it is sometimes. Yeah, there was some fact about the screenplay that was interesting. So in terms of whose name is on it. Yeah, because it's adapted from like his memoirs or something, right? I mean, I know that well from the Alex Betty, Haley. Yeah, was the consultant for the movie, but it was adapted by Alex Haley's book, James Baldwin. Oh, okay. Now this is according to IMDb, and completed in over two years after co-writer Alan Pearl's death in 1971. Baldwin's family asked that his name be removed. Wow. Therefore, Spike Lee shares on-screen credit Mm. with Arnold Pearl. Interesting. So I'm not here this afternoon as a Republican, nor as a Democrat. Not as a Mason, nor as an Elk. Not as a Protestant, nor a Catholic. Not as a Christian, nor a Jew. Not as a Baptist, nor a Methodist. In fact, not even as an American. Because if I was an American, the problem that confronts our people today wouldn't even exist. That's right. So now we ain't Americans, huh? So I have to stand here today as what I was when I was born, a black man. Before there was any such thing as a Republican or a Democrat, we were black. Before there was any such thing as a Mason or an Elk, we were black. Before there was any such thing as a Jew or a Christian, we were black people. In fact, before there was any such place as America, we were black. And after America has long passed from the scene, there will still be black people. So we've already touched on a lot of the legacy stuff, but I do have one direction Mm -hmm. that I kind of want to go that I'm curious what your take on it would be, which is um, we've talked about Bi- biographical movies in the past like the you know when we did the, my left foot we talk about we talked about biographical movies mm-hmm. but there's something happening here that, that goes beyond biography and becomes kind of like a text for almost like hagiography you know it's like this idea that the story of a saint 
right, has to start somewhere. Like they don't just come into the world as like saints or as prophets, right? And so there's a bit of this story that like reads a bit like a kind of like a hagiography for me. And I'm curious, like, is that kind of how you read the movie or did you just see it as straight up biopic? I don't know. I, I, I guess I was coming into that looking for that and wondering about it, just knowing where the nation of Islam has gone right. since right? The, and the anti-Semitism that can be present there. Right. Yeah. And other issues that are. Yeah, it should great. be said that we're we're recording this during a basketball season where Kyrie Irving has really brought some of these really negative views of Judaism yeah. and anti-Semitism into light. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, living through a really when there can be a day of hate declared. So I don't know enough about the nation of Islam to know kind of how how this was sliced. I think I like I said to my sister, I was like, well. You know, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, do I appreciate him, Malcolm X, and and, and this character that's created here? Because it's still a character of Malcolm X, you know. Mm-hmm. And do I do I appreciate him even before he kind of does the "Hey, I'm ready to work with everybody" thing? Before that, that kind of change of life um, and right. change of strategy and heart and those sorts of things. I don't, I can't say that I don't like the one, you know, I don't like him then and I do like him then, you know, like, like before and after. I just, I find it so compelling, like the complexity of how your life gets, because so often what we see is the final product, right? So we see St. Francis of Assisi, but we don't see, you know, the person who gets to St. Francis. We have to hear those stories be told to us, Right. Of like who mm-hmm. this guy was when he was just rich kid, kid yeah, da, da, da. living in a CC. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like you know, logically in your brain, you know that like these people weren't born this way. Their lives took turns that got them to this point. And the fascinating thing about this story and spending so much time with Malcolm Little in Harlem originally when he has his you know, his his issues with uh, drug abuse, with violence, you know, with gambling, with all of that stuff. We spend so long in that world that we're kind of starting to learn the tools that he's going to have in his toolbox for how to be a charismatic person who attracts other people to you when he has a conversion experience to something else, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's important. That's that part of the story is important to understand the sort of final form that you get to, like by the end of the movie, right? Like these things just don't happen mm-hmm. by accident. They happen one step at a time, and the bad stuff is part of those steps. What was the word that Rita Kempley used? Did she say spiritual? Let's see. She says a spiritually enriching testament mm-hmm. to the human yeah. capacity for change. So very religious language in her. And I feel like that in a way focuses too much on his change, mm-hmm. that line. Um, and the whole review, I'm sure, does more. But there's something so powerful about seeing the full life of somebody. Do you have to have the front end 
and the difficulty and the trauma of his life to have the back end. You don't, but when you do, right. And it is not what you have chosen in life. Mm-hmm. And even though choices may lead you to some of those places, I think that what you end up doing with that, the amount that you have to work with is something that is transformative because yeah. it means it's the empathy piece. You're then able to speak to, you know, he sees himself as a farm boy, as a Southerner, as a, as a, as a prisoner, as a thief, as right. an addict, right. I mean, you know, who better to be your chief minister. Yeah. And this is why I referenced the story as hagiography rather than biography, because this, this is the storytelling method that we inherit from St. Augustine's confessions or from the life Mm -hmm. of St. Macrina, right? It's like, this Mm -hmm. is who I was and this is who I am now. Right. But do you think it's idealized? What's that? Do you think it's ideal? Is it idealized? I, I think it's real. I mean, I think I think all of that is real because it speaks to like what it means to be human, right? That like, you know, I faced challenges, I became something, and this is how it happened. This is how, and these people would say, this is how God moved through my life to make me this, right? Whatever this mm-hmm. is. One last thing on this, which is the sin of the institution. You know, it's it's just so frequent that these stories require the person who's in the middle of it to be in service to something that's just absolutely disgusting sometimes. And, you know, this movie doesn't pull punches when it comes to Elijah Muhammad and mm-hmm. giving voice to his victims as two characters in this movie. And so frequently, like, you know, it it just feels like you have to figure out a way to reconcile that pick somebody mother teresa worked for mm-hmm. worked for an institution that covered up sexual abuse of children you know like you have to reconcile those things in your head and it's just it's hard yeah so uh so who is this movie for i mean my hope would be it's for everybody yeah i think it is i think it is there are yeah. going to be people that don't want to hear it but yeah, it's for everybody. Black Black history is American history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the opener, going back to our conversation at the beginning, you know, it's it's that. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that this movie is for Ron DeSantis. And I hope that at some point he <laughs> acknowledges that he needs to learn the lessons from this movie. But, you know, as long as he's making money off of white people feeling better about themselves, he's not going to. So. I, I do think that there there is something in this movie that breaks down the walls that you have going into it if you if you stick with it. But unfortunately, like the people who really need to hear the message of this movie aren't even going to pay it any attention. So what is your rating for this movie out of five? I give it a five. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. A big old fiver. It's your first fiver of the year. It does. Uh, I give it a 4.5 just because, you know, it's it's really good. It takes a while to get there. Although I will say this, like this is a three hour and whatever uh, minute movie. And I usually complain about the length of movies, but I I don't when a movie is an epic. And this movie is an epic. And Spike Mm -hmm. Lee treats this movie like it's an epic um, because that's what the story needs to be. What I said was that this movie lives alongside 
um, welcomely movies like Lawrence of Arabia, Amadeus, like this is this is of a piece with all of those movies and it deserves to be included with all of those movies whenever we talk about epics like Cleopatra and stuff like that. Uh, Malcolm X. Because I think it's because it's also it's I mean, it's really a historical historic epic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is the story of one person or it's centered on the story of one person. Yeah. But it's telling the story of of people, Mm -hmm. of black people in this country. Absolutely. Do you think Billy Crystal said anything about this movie in his Oscars monologue? (laughs) I don't know. I would say the answer to that is absolutely not. Billy Crystal did not talk about this movie at all. Yeah. Would be my guess. That's probably um, for you, I guess. I bet it's because the Oscars, I bet the Oscars, I don't know. I'd have to go back and read. I bet they got pushback for not nominating this movie. I know, right? Um, so I imagine that they tried to get him to sidestep any controversy. So okay, that is it. Malcolm X in the books. Next up, we have okay, so this is interesting. We just got through our co-nominees. So we both selected A League of Their Own and Malcolm Mm -hmm. X as movies that Mm -hmm. absolutely needed to be nominated. So now we're moving on to one of my picks for a movie to be nominated. It's The Player. It's Robert Altman's The Player. It is. Yeah. So talk about an all-star cast. Get ready with The Player. Right. The Player is next up. Betsy, are you excited about that? Um, It's been a bit. This is... You know, I think I might have watched this movie once. Okay. This is a movie that white guy film majors were into. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry. That's, that's kind of, it's, uh, it's, it's a little different than, you know, general white guys who are into like Caddyshack. This is white guys who are majoring in film. Wow. All right. I'll be curious to see how it comes out. Uh, is this yes. our first Tim Robbins movie? Have we done Tim Robbins yet? Yeah, we haven't, Shawshank hasn't come out yet. Yeah, we haven't done Shawshank, so we've done Susan Sarandon, but no Tim Robbins. Uh, So The Player is going to be our next movie. Betsy, thank you for uh, walking through this epic with me today. Uh, I won't say anything pithy because that's not what this movie is, but um, I have to admit it was a a great rewatch and I'm glad we got to do it together. Me too, really powerful. All right, we will see you next time. Bye.